My name is Anthony P. Richards. I'm a pastor and I started this podcast channel to equip, encourage, inspire and challenge you to passionately live to your potential in Christ through the Word of God. For more information, you can go to my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Welcome to another day as we go through the Word of God and uh, looking forward to going through uh, Proverbs chapter 6, the first half of Proverbs chapter 6 with you today and uh, enjoying this journey through the book of Proverbs and uh, being reminded uh, time and time again that, that that a lot of Solomon's, Solomon's wisdom came from David. Remember, King David's his father. And in a previous chapter, Solomon has said that King David, this mighty man of God, this great king that killed the lion and, and the bear and Goliath, tenderly taught Solomon uh, this wisdom that he now wanted to tenderly teach his own son. And I think that is something that is so important for us to remember as we go through this. This is the warning from a father who loves his son saying, I'm taking this responsibility to teach you these things and I, I'm going to give them to you in the form of warnings of different things that you should or should not do. And and so that's the premise. So it's not a judgment book. It's not meant to be something that we read through and go, well, I've already done that and messed up my life. No, this is just us understanding what the principles were that God intended us to have. And if you didn't have them, now you know, and you can actually teach them to your own children, uh, and you can make course corrections in your own life. So let's move on to uh, Proverbs chapter 6, verse 1, my son. If you become surety for your friend, if you have shaken hands in the pledge for a stranger. So before we move on and we, we find out what the, what the then part is of this F, if then statement, uh, Solomon warned his son against guaranteeing the debts of others. Doesn't matter if they're a friend or a stranger. That, now what is that? That's the promise to pay the debt of a friend of a stranger if they fail to pay them. Not, this is not so much like, uh, lending somebody money or co-signing for a loan. It's more, it'd be more in modern terms like, uh, guaranteeing somebody's open-ended line of credit. No matter what they spend, you say you'll pay for it. Uh, Derek Kidner. The New Testament shows us Paul accepting Onesimus's past liabilities, but not his future ones. Uh, if you read in Philemon uh, verses 18 and 19, Paul said, I'll pay for whatever debts he has, but he didn't say whatever he racks up in the future, I'll cover that as well. And that's the point that he's making. Adam Clark, if you pledge yourself on behalf of another, then you take the burden off them and you place it on your own shoulders. And when they know that they've got somebody to stand between them and the demands of the law and justice, they will feel little responsibility and they will feel little spirit of work and will then become crippled. Derek Kidner. Even to the recipient, an unconditional pledge may be an unintended disservice by exposing them to temptation and to the subsequent grief of having brought a friend to ruin. So this is, this is what Solomon is going to be talking to his, to his son about. And he says, if you have become surety for your friend, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Uh, the, the promise to pay the debts of somebody else, uh, puts you in a trap. And it's a promise made with the words of your mouth. Uh, and it's going to, it's going to have a negative impact on your own wallet. Uh, you know, um, Charles Bridges said this, our God, <laughs> this is a really interesting observation about Jesus. Our God, while he warns us against putting up security, has taken it on himself. 
May his name be praised for this. He has given us his word, his bond, yes, his blood as security for sinners, which no power of hell can shake. The one thing Solomon says here to his son, don't ever do this, is the thing that Jesus did for you and for I. Not only did he come to to pay for our past sin, he also said, my blood will cover your future sin if you come and ask me for forgiveness. That's amazing. Uh, only Jesus could pull that off and, and, and no power of hell can shake it. And I, I agree with that sentiment. Verse three. So do this, my son, and deliver yourself for you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself. Plead with your friend. Give no sleep to your eyes nor slumber to your eyelids. Um, Solomon said to his son, uh, if you have made yourself responsible for the debt of another person, then do everything you can to deliver yourself from it. Humble yourself, plead, do whatever you can to be released from that pro- that promise. Um, verse 5. Deliver yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter and like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Um, a gazelle will do anything they can to escape a hunter and a bird will do anything they can to escape a fowler. That's somebody who's trying to catch a bird. Uh, Solomon tried to communicate this same sense of urgency to his son in escaping the responsibility of the debt for other people. Bruce Waltke, becoming surety is folly because the surety makes promises for the future that he cannot control. As Proverbs 27.1 says, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Moreover, he has handed himself over to the debtor who may unmercifully throw him into the hands of the creditor. Dwayne Garrett, although we have no information on Israelite laws of surety, seizure of assets and home and even the selling of the debtor into slavery were common penalties for failure to make payment and and the co-signer, guarantor, could well have met the same fate. Okay, so now we move on to some uh, some verses that have always been a real favourite of mine, uh, verses 6 to 11 of Proverbs chapter 6. I've just always been fascinated with these verses. Uh, let's read them. Verse 6, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Solomon was here speaking to the sluggard, the lazy person. Um, and he says the lazy person should learn from an ant because an ant is known for its hard work. Interestingly enough, the book of Proverbs talks a lot about the value of hard work. Um, and, and I think that's because it can often make the difference between success and failure. Um, Adam Clark says that no insect is more laborious, not even the bee itself. None is more fondly attached to or more careful of its young than the ant. John A. Trapp. Christ sends us to school to the birds of the air, lilies of the field, to learn dependence upon divine providence to the stork, crane, and swallow, to be taught to take the seasons of grace and not to let slip the opportunities that God puts into our hands. And and, and so he's reminding us here that we, we're taking being taken to school by the ant as well. Learn from the ant. Verse 7. This ant, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, which is interesting, okay? That just this last little, this, this piece is interesting because a, a, an, an ant is wise and worthy to be imitated. Why? Because an ant isn't wise because it has a boss standing over them saying, do this, do that, say, or, or an overseer. I'm responsible for you to tell. No, an ant just inherently knows what to do and whatever it does is the wise thing to do. 
uh, and that's why we they, they should be imitated. Um, most modern entomologists have discovered that the, the most perfect social organization on the planet exists within ant colonies, which is amazing. God created, look at God's creation, incredible. Verse 8. Uh, has no captain, overseer, or ruler, but provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. The ant works hard in, in harvest time, summertime, and gets the work done. Uh, that means that the ants, you know, giving a good lesson and, and the ways of wisdom should be imitated. Verse 9. So how long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? Solomon asked the lazy man to give an account of his ways. And the thought is this. Okay, so you want to sleep? Well, how long do you want to sleep for? There's a life to be lived, and unfortunately, there's work to be done, and somebody's got to do it, and that that's you. That's someone's you. Bruce Waltke, the sluggard is the explicit audience here, but the implicit audiences are the son and the gullible who are addressed in chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. They are being warned against laziness through the sluggard's chastisement. Now, obviously, everybody needs sleep. Solomon's advice is not that we should never sleep, but that we should not excessively sleep, which is why he then goes on in verse 10. So how long will you slumber? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come upon you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Solomon imagined the, la- the lazy person saying, I only need a little bit more sleep. Uh, but what he actually needed was a little bit more work to do. That's what he needed. Uh, Bruce Waltke, sleep is the defining characteristic of the sluggard. For him, the love of sleep is pure escapism, a refusal to face the world. In contrast to the sweet sleep of the laboring person, the sluggard's narcotic sleep ever craves still more sleep to escape the pain of living. So don't be idle. Do something. Now, I want to speak to people who suffer from depression because I know when you're going through depression, all you want to do is sleep because you want to escape. I understand that. It's real. I get it. Um, But you have to help yourself and just start by doing a little bit of work. And if you ever say, oh, I can't, you just don't understand. No, you can, because Philippians 4, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So I know you can do it. Get out of your bed. You know, a little bit more sleep is not going to solve your problem. What's going to happen to you if you keep sleeping is you're going to go from depression to poverty, and you're going to end up having nothing. And I don't want that for you, because the Bible says that that, that poverty is going to come upon you quickly. And, and this is what happens to people who procrastinate and put off something. A hard worker just gets stuff done. They're like, yep, needs to be done. I'm going to do it right now. Uh, the procrastinator says, no, I can do it tomorrow. I can put it off. And then eventually you try to put it off. And eventually, uh, poverty comes like a prowler. Uh, and, and, and you will have poverty and there'll be no fault of anybody else's apart from your own and your own laziness. Um, it comes, Adam Clark says that, that poverty comes like an armed man uh, with irresistible fury and you are not prepared to oppose it. That's that's what's going to happen. And, and, and I, Solomon doesn't want that and I don't want that for you. Verse 12. A worthless person, a worthless person, a wicked man walks with a perverse mouth. He winks with his eyes, he shuffles his feet, he points with his fingers. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. Therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly, he shall be broken without remedy. Um, Solomon here moves on 
from the idea of a lazy person to somebody who's worthless and wicked. And, and these sinful characteristics are related often, and there's usually a combination with them. People who are lazy are often wicked and worthless. And he says they, they walk with a perverse mouth. One of the main features of, of somebody like this is, is their walk, uh, in their walk is their corruption of their speech. They have a perverse mouth, uh, which has the idea of, um, crooked or corrupt more than what we would think of as just more than moral perversion. What they say just isn't right. It's just not honest and it's not straight and you don't, you know, you never know whether they're telling the truth or not. And he says he winks with his eyes. Um, David Guzik, with his eyes, his feet and his fingers, the worthless and wicked man shows his crooked and dishonest character. Evil and discord come from his life. Uh, his calamity will come suddenly, says in verse 15. Uh, Solomon did, didn't directly attribute this calamity or him being broken to the judgment of God, but it's implied. God knows how to set the cynical, crooked-speaking man or woman in their deserved place. He knows how to do that, and he will do it. Verse 16. Um, These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. This is about what he's about to say in verse 17 to 19. Uh, several times in the book of Proverbs, Solomon uses this expression to give a list. Uh, you know, there are six things, yes, seven, or there are four things, yes, five. And here are the things that the Lord hates and that are an abomination to him. Now, why does he do that? The two numbers. Why? Okay. Let's explain that. G. Campbell Morgan. The six and seven of the opening statement have their explanation in the description. The six are first stated and the seventh is that which results. Namely, in this list, he that sows discord among brethren. So uh, the six things are the things the Lord hates, and the seventh is a result of you doing those six things. So they've become an abomination. Uh, now these, uh, in verse um, uh, 17 to 19, let, let's read them. Uh, these, these are the six things and the seventh. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who spreads lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Now, these are not the seven deadly sins, okay? There's actually the seven deadly sins are not in the Bible, in a, in a list. They're in the Bible as far as, you know, in different places, but there's no list called the seven deadly sins. They were put together by Pope Gregory I in the 6th century, pride, envy, wrath, gluttony, lust, sloth, and greed. No. Most of that, so that's not this list. This, most of these sins in this list in that Solomon's talking about here are connected to do with something that we do in and through our body. Uh, the eyes have a proud look. The tongue lies, you know, go on. Um, and we're reminded of what Paul wrote in Romans about how we need to present the parts of our body, our members to God for the works of righteousness and not for sin in Romans chapter six. And the collection of these seven sins is actually focused on how we treat others. If you think about it, we have to honor God and worship him in spirit and in truth. But God is also concerned about how we treat other people. And each of these sins is actually a very serious sin against other people. Uh, and what is the result? One who just sows discord among brethren. It's presented as a result of the previous six. 
And it's the ultimate one. It's the ultimate abomination. It's, it's the highest among things that God hates and regards as an abomination. Adam Clark said, uh, th- this one, as he who troubles the peace of a family, of a village, of a state, all who by lies and misrepresentations strive to make men's minds evil affected towards their brethren. So there's a lot in this uh, this first half of Proverbs chapter six, and I just encourage you to dwell on that. Write down what your comments when you when you think about what do you get out of this, what do you observe uh, out of this. I think there are so many different things. For me, uh, what I observe is I have to continually look at the ant, and I cannot get lazy. Now I don't have an inherent. Uh, lazy streak in me. It's just not. In fact, I'm an I'm a, I'm an uh, overachiever. I'm I'm somebody. Who, I guess I could be you know err on the side of being a workaholic. Uh, but the thing about a, an ant is, even though they work really hard, they're very wise about what they work towards. They don't waste time doing things that shouldn't be done. And uh, so that's what I take out of that. Uh, but also, I observe as well, you know, to help people who I know are struggling with depression, uh, because I know it's very real and all they want to do is sleep and escape. And I just want to encourage you to understand that God has something better for you and, and, and to rise up through that. Be anxious for nothing and understand that God has a purpose and a plan for your life and He loves you and cares for you. And, uh, sleep is not the answer. And, and that's all I just want to encourage that. Uh, encourage you with. So that's just what I observed today and just an encouragement to you. Let me pray for you, Heavenly Father. Lord, let us take this and and apply it to our lives. Let us be equipped, encouraged, inspired and challenged as we observe this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. For more content, please don't forget to check out my YouTube channel, Anthony P. Richards. Have a great day.